Welcome to NYC Now, your source for local news in and around New York City from WNYC. I'm Janae Pierre. We're taking it easy this week, but the news doesn't stop. So here's the midday news from Michael Hill. Con Edison and city officials are warning people to avoid the area near East 52nd Street and 2nd Avenue in Midtown Manhattan as they test for asbestos after a steam pipe leak early this morning. Con Ed says those living in the area should close their windows and stay inside. First responders are there and the public should expect traffic disruptions from East 51st through 53rd Streets between 2nd and Park Avenue, according to officials. City officials say Con Ed shut down a portion of a steam pipe due to a steam leak that happened around 2 this morning and workers capped the leak several hours later. A Brooklyn family is searching for answers after a shooting killed its niece last night in Queens. Police say 28-year-old Clarissa Burgos sat in a car in South Ozone Park where a group approached and opened fire. Shots hit her in the head and hit a 39-year-old male driver in the torso. Burgos' aunt Clover Gallard says the family has no idea what motivated the shooting and now will have to break the news to Burgos' four-year-old son. Why? Why is there another child without his mother? The driver survived and is in stable at a hospital. Police are investigating and have not yet reported any arrests. The National Weather Service says all of New York City's shoreline could get minor flooding from the forecast rain over the next day or so. 48 and light rain in the city. Mid-afternoon rain likely. Foggy, cloudy, and 52 for a high we could get one or two inches of rain tonight as well, so let's be careful. Stay close. There's more after the break. On this week's On the Media, does the rise of X signal the fall of traditional right-wing outlets? You don't have to have this website and a link that people have to click on. You can just say stuff and you can get attention. You know, you don't need to be Breitbart to do that anymore. Also, what does decolonization really mean? On this week's On the Media from WNYC. Find On the Media wherever you get your podcasts. This week, we're looking back at the top news stories of the year. The summer arrest of Rex Hewerman marked a major advancement in the case of the Gilgo Beach murders. The Long Island architect pleaded not guilty in the murders of three women. For more than a decade, the case has baffled law enforcement and frustrated victims' families. Robert Kolker is a journalist and author of Lost Girls, a book about the murders that has been adapted into a Netflix film. WNYC's Sean Carlson talked with Kolker about the case and how the culture of sex work has changed in the years since it first made headlines. So for people who may not know all the details of this case, can you remind us? Well, this has been an open serial killer case in the New York area for many, many years. It first went public as a serial killer case at the end of 2011, but the first victims may have disappeared even years before that. This case, this particular arrest, surrounds four women whose remains were found around the same time at the end of 2010. Um, Ever since then, the police have been finding more bodies, and there have been no declared suspects, no declared leads, nothing but rumors and conjecture. And the families had been left to wonder for the longest time. Why does this case loom so large for people in Long Island and our area generally? 
this is such a densely populated area. You'd imagine a case like this might be able to dwell in the shadows for years and years somewhere else. But in New York City, you know, the media center of the world, it just sort of defies common sense to think that there could be an active and successful and prolific serial killer um, still around. And so everyone's amazed that it's taken this long. Also, the victims in this case are all women who made money through sex work. And I can't understate just how much this hindered the investigation and the interpretation of the case early on. It's certainly true that in a lot of these cases, these serial killer cases, the victims are vulnerable people, and that often includes sex workers. In this case, the people in charge seem to almost say this was a consolation to the general public, that they didn't have to worry about this serial killer. Meanwhile, people were dead and the families couldn't get any attention until it suddenly became uh, a broadly known serial killer case. And even then, there were no leads for years. It was incredibly frustrating. Have you heard from any friends and family of the victims? I've been in touch with victim family members. There's a lot of optimism, but complicated feelings. And then I saw other family members up on the stage with District Attorney Ray Tierney and with Suffolk County Commissioner Rodney Harrison. It's such a different thing, I have to tell you, Sean. You know, 10 years ago when I wrote Lost Girls, the police were at odds with the families. They seemed almost to have contempt for the victims. And now the Commissioner Rodney Harrison is giving big hugs to the family members and thanking them. And DA Tierney is talking about how they represent the best in humanity. It, it shows progress, I think, and that, that alone is kind of heartening. So given your reporting background, you are one of the most knowledgeable people about this case. And you just talked about kind of an interesting evolution uh, that's happened over the last few years. Has anything surprised you? I think one thing is at this press conference, they're acknowledging the humanity of the victims. They're acknowledging the humanity of the families. They're praising teamwork between different investigative agencies. This is stuff that was not uh, necessarily on the table 10 years ago. It was almost like a... Um, a finger pointing exercise and and a lot of um, a lot of scapegoating of victims going on ten years ago. So I I see progress there. Um, you see our whole society actually making a gentle you know, small progress with regard to sex work. You talk about these victims not like they uh, deserve it and not like they are identified by their professions. You can say in the media now that somebody was killed who was a daughter who was a sister who uh, also made money doing sex work. And that's what happened here. This this case is one of the first of its kind where in the digital age, people were really part-time uh, making money this way, that it didn't necessarily even uh, seem like anything they would be doing for long. And, that, and yet, because they were killed, they uh, became sort of dehumanized. That's Robert Kolker, author of Lost Girls, talking with WNYC's Sean Carlson. Thanks for listening to NYC Now from WNYC. All this week, we'll have one story a day and the latest headlines. I'm Janae Pierre. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm David Remnick, and each week on the New Yorker Radio Hour, my colleagues and I unpack what's happening in a very complicated world. You'll hear from the New Yorker's award-winning reporters and thinkers, Jelani Cobb on race and justice, Jill Lepore on American history, Vincent Cunningham and Gia Tolentino on culture, Bill McKibben on climate change, and many more. 
To get the context behind events in the news, listen to the New Yorker Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts.